So uh, Easter Sunday, we're here, as you guys know, uh, to celebrate probably what would be the most controversial and highly debated event in human history. And that event is, as you know, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I understand that as we begin to dive into this subject, that even sitting here today, that there's a lot of people in the room probably who would disagree, that there's people here of maybe different faith backgrounds or no faith backgrounds. And when it comes to the subject of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, some people may say, I I don't believe that. I don't get that. I don't understand that. And we just want to say to you, welcome and thank you for being here. We're glad that you guys would join us as we come together to study this. And although everyone maybe disagrees on the resurrection, I think that as we begin to talk about it, we got to start with a point that I think we all can agree on. And I think what we all can agree on for a starting point is that the world that we live in today is a broken world that life is not the way that it should be. Life is not always life-giving as we hope. Things don't always work out the way we want. When we look around at the world, I think we can all say, yes, something went wrong. Something's broken. There's suffering and there's death and there's sickness and there's pain. And all of this is what we see and experience on a day-to-day level. And we look around and go, there is something wrong with this world. There is something wrong on earth. You mow your grass. And then two weeks later, you got to do it again. And then two weeks later, it keeps growing. And now there's weeds. And you're like, oh, this is for sure a fallen world. Like, what is, like, why can't it just like stay perfectly trimmed? It just doesn't, right? Like something's went wrong in the story. That's not how it's supposed to be. You're checking your email and trying to find the important stuff. And there's just so much spam. And you're like, what is this stuff? The emails you don't want are the emails you get. And the emails that you need to read, they don't show up because they get put in the wrong folder. You're like, dude, this is a, this is a, fallen world we're living in, right? Like a product of the fall, no doubt. You're on your way to work and you're like, I just need a quick cup of coffee. Got to get the day started right. You go through the coffee drive-thru and you're like, dude, 20 minutes to get like a cup of coffee and you're getting like coffee crazy. You're like, I need my coffee. And you're freaking, 20 minutes to get a cup. Man, a a broken world indeed that we're living in, right? (laughs) The people you love die. The people you hate, they're doing great. And you're like, this is messed up. This like, what's going on here? This isn't how it's supposed to be. And then for me personally, at least the greatest, like one of the greatest evidence just of the, the sadness and brokenness of the world is bees. Yeah, bumblebees. You guys know, you guys have had an experience, I'm sure, like you're sitting at a picnic table and it's actually hilarious to watch. Like if one little bee like comes towards someone, they freak out. It's like, get that thing away from me. It's this tiny little thing, but we're like so freaked out by them. I was, I used to ride a moped everywhere. And uh, one day I remember I was mopeding and a bee flew into my helmet and mopeds go like a whopping 40 miles an hour. So I'm like cruising at 40, a bee goes into my helmet and I'm like freaking out. I'm like punching myself in the head. This thing's like going all over and it's like stinging me. I finally like pull over and just like drop the moped and rip my helmet off. It's freaky, right? Like a broken, fallen world indeed. Bumblebees, like where did they come from? I remember as a kid too, it's kind of funny actually. When I was a little kid, we, uh, we grew up and uh, originally like weren't really going to school, just kind of building tree forts and doing awesome stuff, keeping ourselves busy. There was no Netflix and social media at that time. So you actually get out and do cool things. And so as kids, me and my brothers, we came up with this idea like, oh, we're gonna get this glass jar and we're gonna see how many bees we can get in one jar. And so we'd get this jar, take the lid off, a bee be on a flower. You'd catch it, put the lid on, go to another flower, catch it, put the lid on. And then we came up with the idea of, man, 
How cool would it be if we could actually fly bees like we fly kites? And so we got this idea, like we're gonna put these bees that are in a jar in a freezer. So we'd put these bees in the freezer for like 10 minutes and they'd kind of get frozen and stunned. And then as they were frozen, you take them out of the freezer, we'd tie a piece of dental floss around them or fishing string. And then you set them back out in the sun and you're holding the end of the string and like surely but slowly, it's resurrection straight up. The bees are dead and they're in the sun. They start to come back to life. And then all of a sudden... The bees would start flying with a string and you'd have them on like a kite. It was amazing. And we would have like bee battles in the backyard. I would like flying these bees. They'd fly at you and sting you. And that's the worst part is like, dude, these things are awesome and fun to hang out with, but not really because they sting you. And so then we got smarter. We're like, you know what? We're going to take this to the next level. So when we put the bees in the freezer, we get a pair of tweezers. And the only sucky thing about bees is that they sting you. So we take the tweezers and pull the stinger out so that then when they came back to life, like they'd be just chilling on us and then we could fly them and they'd hang out and it's like, yo, no sting, no problem. The bee's now my best friend. What was my foe is now my friend and it was that simple. So we came up with a solution to solve that problem, remove the stinger and it's not a big deal. And living in a broken world that we do, the reality is with most of the problems that we face, we're able to come up with solutions. A lot of uh, doctors have, have studied how to cure a lot of different sicknesses and diseases, which is amazing. It's amazing how we as humans have been given the the capacity and ability to solve a lot of life's greatest problems. That a lot of brokenness and suffering is things that we can fix. But the reality is there is one thing in life that cannot be fixed. There's one thing in life that we've never been able to solve. And that would be the problem of death. The problem that at the end of everybody's life, the reality is it comes to an end. And we look at death and go, this is the ultimate pinnacle of human brokenness, of living in a fallen world. Why does death have to be the end of every story? Why is that the way that it works? You could watch every Shark Tank episode and no entrepreneurs have found out or ever will find out, I've got the solution how to solve death, how to beat death, how to cheat it. It doesn't happen. I've seen every episode and it's never gonna happen. So the reality is this death, is, is an inevitable part of human life. And we try to protect ourselves from it as much as we can. We get in the car and you put on a seatbelt. Why? Because if you get in a car wreck, you know that you might die and that thing can protect you. We invent things like filtered water and bottled water so that we can be more healthy to try to live longer or try to beat death. You try to eat healthy. You're like, yeah, man, I, I only shop at Trader Joe's and I've just been eating this cage-free, gluten-free, GMO-free, grass-fed salad lately. It's been amazing. That's all I eat every day. And I'm like, bro, like that's great, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna do it. It's not gonna cut it. You can eat as much GMO grass-fed salad as you want, and it's just not gonna work. I'm just saying. Like at the end of the day, we can try all these solutions, but at the end of the day, there is no solution that we have been able to find to the, the, the ability to escape death. It's the pinnacle of human brokenness. There's not a single human being who can escape it. It is life's bitter sting, and every life ends in the same way. Death. And the way we talk about it is, okay, well, death is just a a natural phase of human life. It's just the way that it was supposed to go. It's the way that it was created to be. But the reality is that's not the truth, actually. Death is not just a natural phase of life. It is an unnatural enemy. And what I mean by that is when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the God who we know, Jesus Christ, God's design and God's heart and God's desire for mankind was always abundant life. God's plan when he made humans from day one was life, not death. Death was not a part of the original design. And we see this first and foremost, starting in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. If you have your Bible, you can look down there. We're also gonna throw it up on the screen. Check this out, Genesis two, verse seven. 
It says, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. So we see here the origin of humanity, how human beings came into being because God is a life-giving being. God created man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God literally breathed life out of himself and into man, and man became a living creature. Life was birthed through God, the eternal being who has always been a life-giving being. We see God here is the author and the sustainer and the giver of life. And God's original plan for all mankind was exactly this, life, abundant life. If you know the Genesis story, he not only breathes the breath of life into this first man, Adam, but he places him in a beautiful garden. It was called the Garden of Eden. Eden means delight. He placed Adam in an abundant, beautiful garden with everything that he needed for an abundant, sustainable life. He was in paradise. And this was what God wanted. God wanted to walk with man in the Garden of Eden, to have a relationship with man, and for man to live eternally. Ecclesiastes said that God has placed eternity in our hearts. This is why we as a species are the only people who can think about the idea of death. Bears, cats, dogs, animals don't wait, stay up at night and go, I wonder what's going to happen when I die. I wonder if there's anything after this. Only human beings can think about that because God breathed into man the breath of life. God created us as eternal beings and we know that and that's why we're able to ask those questions. So he breathes the breath of life into man He places him in a beautiful garden with everything he needs. And then he says in verse 16, if you want to skip down, Genesis 2, verse 16, it says, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So here we see the origin of death. Here we see where death came into the picture. God placed man in the garden and blessed him abundantly. He said, you can eat any tree you want. I want your life to be abundant. Everything in the garden, you can have it. You can do whatever you want. Just one thing. Don't eat of this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, in the day that you do it, you will surely die. So, The reason death came into the story, the reason death is a reality and something that we are all faced with at the end of our life, death came as a result of man's disobedience to God and rebellion against God. It wasn't the original plan. It wasn't what God always wanted. He wanted us to die. God gave us life. He created us for life. And it was not until man sinned and said, I'm gonna rebel against God that the penalty of that was death. Romans chapter six, verse 23 says it this way. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin, wages is something you earn. What we earn, what we deserve, what we are paid because of our sin, rebellion against God, is death. Sin is man's rebellion against God. It leads to death, which is separation from the source of life, separation from the giver of life. That's ultimately what death is. God is the author, sustainer, giver of life. What he wants for you, what he wants for me is life and life abundantly. Death is being cut off from him. 
being separated from the source of life. And when man rebelled against God, that's exactly what happened. Death entered into the picture and there was a separation from the source of life. So the broken world we live in, again, we can all agree on this, it's plagued by death. We look at death and go, what, what's the point? Where, what, what, what happened? How did that enter the scene? And this is how it happened. Death came by man's rebellion against God and man was separated from God. And the result is that now all humans, because of sin, living in a fallen world, experience what we call death. And so the only way that this could problem could be solved, the only way we could possibly be, be cured from or saved from the inevitability of eternal separation from God, the wages of sin, which is death, is if the source of life himself... God himself, who is life, who gives life, if God himself, the author of life, came down and chose to defeat death on our behalf. And this is what we are here today to celebrate. And this today is what I will boldly and authoritatively and loudly and unapologetically proclaim is the good news that Jesus has conquered death that Jesus has resurrected from the grave on our behalf so that the end of your story and my story isn't the bitter sting of death, so that we could experience the life that God created us to have in the Garden of Eden. There is a way back, and it's through the person of Jesus. It's through his resurrection from the dead. It took the source and the author of life for himself to die in order to give us back the life that we were created to have. And we're gonna see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, flip over. This is gonna be our main text for the morning. And it's so amazing that we serve a God who not only is life and is the source of life, but chose to die on our behalf so that we could experience life in the way that it was created to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's start in verse 54 at the end of verse 54. Paul the apostle here is quoting um, the prophet Isaiah at the end of verse 54. And he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So first and foremost, what I want you to see here at the end of verse 54, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. The prophet Isaiah had prophesied that thousands of years before that death would one day be swallowed up by the Messiah in victory. And Paul, the apostle who saw the resurrected Christ, who saw Jesus in the flesh after his death is saying that this has been fulfilled, that death is swallowed up in victory. This metaphor of swallowing up suggests the destructive power of an overwhelming force. What he's saying here is this this overwhelming force, death, which has for all eternity swallowed up life itself. Throughout all human history, death swallows up life. Death has the final say. Death takes human life. Death has swallowed up life. He says now we see that death itself has actually been swallowed up. The thing that has swallowed up human life, death, 
is now itself swallowed up by victory. Jesus' victory over death itself. Death, which has claimed the final victory at the end of every human life, now does not have the final victory. Now, Jesus has claimed the victory. Jesus has swallowed up death through his resurrection and again made a way for us to have the life he always desired. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death does not swallow up. Death does not have the victory. Death now has been swallowed up and death now has been defeated by Jesus's victory over the grave. Jesus's resurrection from the dead is the victory over death and conquered death and brought an end to death. Is that incredible? Jesus's death, burial and resurrection put death to death. He says, death you, you, you have nothing now. You're swallowed up in victory. You have no power. And in light of that, in light of him understanding what Jesus' resurrection accomplished, that death had now been swallowed up in victory, he now quotes the prophet Hosea in verse 55. He quotes the prophet Hosea and taunts death now. He says, death's already been swallowed up in victory. And so then he goes on to say, check this out. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He's taunting death. He's saying, Jesus already conquered you. You don't have the final victory. You don't swallow up life anymore. Jesus defeated you. And so now he goes on to taunt death. Where is your victory? Where is your sting? Now, here's what's amazing about this. The context of this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is actually talking about our future resurrection from the dead because of what Jesus accomplished. This is not specifically just about what happened to Jesus. It's about what happens to us through Jesus and because of Jesus. Our final victory over death has not yet come, but it has already been set in motion because of Jesus's resurrection from the dead. He's meditating here on our future hope, and that's why he can look forward to the end of his life and say, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Because Jesus had done away with death and took death in our place, we now can look forward to the end and say, death, you're not going to have victory over me. Death, you're going to have no sting. It has been a finished work. What has already been finished by Jesus is yet to be finalized in us. Isn't that amazing? When he's proclaiming this, where's your victory? Where is your sting? This Old Testament passage was fulfilled in the person of Jesus, but there's also a future fulfillment. In the day where I do die, in the day where you do die, the grave will not have the final say. Death will not be the victor. That is not the end of the story because Jesus has conquered death and through faith in the finished work of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, there is no victory in the grave. Death has no sting. At the end of life, there is that there is no bitter sting because Christ has fulfilled this. His death and resurrection was the death of death and it it removed the sting of death. So when we as people, again, the only species who are able to even ponder the idea of death, when we think about it, a lot of people say, man, like it honestly is kind of freaky. If you think about it and you're like, man, what's gonna happen after I die? I'm looking at the stats and 100 out of 100 die. Like what, what, it's kind, of, it's kind of a freaky thing to actually think about. But the reality is this, death may appear terrifying. Death may appear to be a foe, but the reality is this. 
like a bee placed in the stinger whose stinger has been removed, the foe in what was terrifying now has no power. What Jesus did in the grave, when Jesus rose from the dead, he took the sting of death. Death no longer has a sting. It no longer has to be a foe. It no longer is something that we have to be afraid of because Jesus took the sting on our behalf. Jesus took all of it on our behalf. So now death is powerless. Death has no ability to claim you and to claim me for eternity because Jesus claimed it for us. Jesus took the death that we deserve. And because he did that, we now have a hope that on the other side of death, that's just the beginning of the story. It's just the beginning of what God has planned for us. It's the garden of Eden, the eternal life, which God desired for all humans to have and to walk in the abundance of life. That is where the story begins. Death has no sting. It could appear fearful. It could appear frightening. But at the end of the day, we have to trust that Jesus has finished the work. And through his finished work, death has no sting. The grave has no victory. Now, the sting, what is that? What is the sting of death? What does that mean that death doesn't have a sting? Well, luckily for us, we don't have to guess at it. The passage actually tells us if we just keep reading a little bit. So look at verse 56. He says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. So again, we talked about this. It was our sin, man's rebellion against God. That's what sin is. It was our sin that brought the sting of death into the world. The reason death is here, the reason it has a sting and it has power is because of sin, is because of our sin. Now, the power of sin, the reason it's so powerful, it was strengthened through God's law that we could not keep. Look at that. Verse 56, he says, the power of sin is the law. So sin finds its power in the law. Now, here's the thing. The law, God's law, is good. It's perfect. It's holy. It flows out of the perfection of his character. The reason God said, don't eat of this tree wasn't because he was saying you're missing out on so much. The reason God told man, don't eat of that tree and made that law. It was for man's good. It was to protect man. It was to preserve his life. The abundance of life was given to man in every other tree. And so we got to understand this, that the law that God gave his commands are good. They are for man's benefit to promote human flourishing, to promote life that man was created to experience. In the same way that a parent with a child sets up boundaries and rules and parameters and laws to protect them. Hey, you're not allowed to play in the street. Why is that? Because I'm going to miss out on all the... No, it's because there's cars. My, my rules and my laws are, are to protect and to preserve the life of my children. In the same way, God's law, the things that God says, don't do this, it's for human flourishing. It's for our benefit. It's not because it's like, oh, these are the best things. I want you to miss out on them. No, he says, I've given you all the best things. Enjoy all the creation except this one tree. So God's law is good, perfect, holy, and just. And it was from that place of God giving a good commandment when man said, I don't believe that is good. I don't believe you are good. I'm gonna choose to do my own thing rather than your thing. When he did that, it was at that point that sin found its power, that sin found its way into the story. God's law and commands were given for our good, but sin and death came through the law when man chose to disobey, when man chose to rebel, when man failed to keep God's good, perfect, and righteous law. Now, here's the amazing thing. 
Throughout human history, person after person after person, same story, we can't do it. I can't keep the law. I can't perfectly obey, just as no child can. You can tell your kid all you want, don't take the cookies or go to bed at this time. They can't obey perfectly. That's the reality. They're never gonna do that. That's the reality of my stories. I can't do it. I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to make the right decisions. But the reality is, at the end of the day, we've all fallen short. Nobody has that perfect track record. But here's the amazing thing. Again, the author of life himself, Jesus Christ, came to this earth. And when he did, Jesus did what no other human ever could have done, never had done. Jesus perfectly kept the entire law of God, which is why death had no sting over him right? The sting of death is sin. But because Jesus never sinned, death had no sting. It had no power over him. Death's power is only a result of sin. But because Jesus, Hebrews tells us, our faithful high priest has been tempted in every way that we were yet without sin. Because Jesus never sinned, death had no sting. That is the only way he was able to conquer death and be victorious over it was because Jesus had lived the perfect life that none of us ever could. But not only did he live a perfect life, a sinless life, he actually died a sinner's death to take the sting of death, to take the punishment of death that we deserve, to take the curse that the law brought. He became a curse on our behalf. So it was twofold. It wasn't just he had to live a perfect life. It was he still had to die as a guilty human, although he was innocent. And when Jesus went to the cross, what he was doing was exactly this. He was taking the sting of death, sin, my sin, your sin. Every time we've ever done anything that was against God's perfect law, which is for our good, anytime we've rebelled, the wage of sin is death. We deserve that. And yet Jesus, the only person who did not deserve death, the only person who did not sin said, you know what? I'm gonna experience the sting of death on your behalf. I'm gonna take the death that you deserve. I'm gonna take the judgment that a perfectly righteous and just and good God must do. He must punish sin if he's good. If God does not punish sin, he's not a good God. If someone murders and you let them off the hook, no jail, that's not a good judge. A good judge has to has to make the, the guilty pay. But God said, on my own son, Jesus, I'm gonna take out all the wrath all the anger, all the judgment for all sin that all humans have ever committed. Jesus did that. Jesus absorbed that on the cross. The full weight and the full measure of hell itself that we deserve, of death itself. Jesus took the death that we deserve and in his place, he not only took the death that we deserve, but made a way for us to experience and have again the life that he always desired for us to have. Eternal life. Life in him, freedom in him. So when Christ went to the cross, he offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. He was a substitute. He was taking what we deserve so that he could give us what we don't deserve. Paul the apostle put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How incredible is this verse? God made his own son, Jesus, who knew no sin, 
Therefore, he didn't deserve death. He made him become sin for us. He took our sin for us so that, what do we get? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the worst deal in the history of the world for God and the best deal in the history of the world for all humankind. It's the great exchange. Jesus says, I take what you deserve. I take your sin, your condemnation, your judgment, your guilt, your death, because that's what we deserve. I'm gonna take all that. And if you'll receive it, if you'll believe that, that I've taken everything that you deserve, everything that I deserve, if you believe that, I've exchanged it for, for you, I've given you my righteousness. How incredible is that? The way that God is able to look at every human being because of what Jesus has done through faith in the finished work of Jesus, God is able to see you and to see me as perfectly righteous, just as righteous as Jesus. When I look at myself, when you look at yourself, let's not kid around here. I, I know my flaws. You know your flaws. Nobody in here would claim that I've done it perfectly. It's hard to see myself the way that God actually sees me. God sees you, sees me through faith in the finished work of Christ. He sees you as righteous. We are robed in his righteousness. And a lot of people have this wrong idea of God. You, you grew up thinking that God's this big angry being in the clouds and he just can't wait to smite you and he hates you and he's angry at you because you've done all these wrong things. No, he put all that on Jesus and now through faith in Jesus, the way God sees you, although you're still messed up, although I'm still screwed up, God sees me as a perfectly righteous being because of what Jesus has done. So the sting of death, which is sin, it has been removed. And the power of sin, which is the law, it has lost its grip because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus rose from the grave, sin no longer has a hold. The law has been completely fulfilled. And where our sin has been pardoned because of Jesus's work, death now has no sting. Isn't that incredible? The thing that all humans fear, the thing that all humans think about, what happens at the end, there is no sting. Jesus was victorious over it. Jesus took the sting for you so you could experience life in the way that he created us to have from the very beginning. So incredible. So he says, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. We'll close with verse 57. Look at this amazing verse. He says, but if you look at just verse 56, that just sucks. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. It's like, that just sucks for all of us. But... Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord that verse 57 starts with the word, but. This introduces us to the victory that we have through Jesus who defeated sin and who fulfilled the law. The sting of death is sin. Shoot, I deserve that. The power of sin is the law. Shoot, I've broke the law, but... Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is because of what Jesus did, because Jesus conquered the grave and now is the victor over death who always had been victorious, death is no longer sovereign. Jesus is. 
Death no longer has the final word. Jesus does. Sin is no longer victorious and no longer has the claim on us. Jesus does because he took it on our behalf. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave defeated death itself. It is the death of death. Jesus is the thief of death. And now he has replaced, the giver of life himself has replaced the reign of sin and death, which has plagued our world, no one would argue that. Jesus has replaced sin and death, which has reigned throughout all human history. He's replaced it with grace and life. So you choose. What are you gonna live into? What do you want? Sin and death, that's a reality. But Jesus says, in me, I've taken all that. And now there's just grace. And now there is just life. Because of Jesus's victory over death itself, all mankind now has an eternal hope. All mankind has been victorious over the grave through Jesus's victory over the grave. And that is the key, this word through. At the end of verse 57, you can't miss that. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. How do we receive the victory? How do we share in the victory? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. My victory is not because of me. Your victory and accomplishments and the goodness you think you have isn't you. Our victory over sin and over death isn't what we accomplished. It's what Jesus accomplished. And through Jesus, Christ's victory is our victory. He chooses to share that with us. He chooses that his victory would be yours, that his story would be your story through Jesus He's the agent, not us. Through him comes everything we've been talking about. Forgiveness of sins, redemption from the law, the resurrection of the dead, eternal life. All of that is through Jesus. He is the source of it. He is the substance of it. Jesus said of himself in John 11, verse 25 and 26, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This is the greatest news that mortal men's ears ever have heard or ever will hear, that Jesus Christ himself is the resurrection and that Jesus Christ is the life. He is the source of life and he has risen in victory and it doesn't just end there. He not only rose victorious over death and took the sin that we deserve, he also has made the call to all mankind as it says in first, in John 11 that whoever believes in me, whoever, that's me, that's you, regardless of what you're currently struggling with, regardless of your religious background or lack thereof, whoever, anybody, everybody, whoever places their faith in him, he says that they will not die, that they will have the eternal life through the person of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead, friends, is the foundation for our faith. It is the foundation of our hope. It is the foundation for everything that we trust. And in and through it, Jesus' resurrection of the dead, we have an eternal hope. We have substance. We have purpose. Apart from Jesus' resurrection from the dead, there is no hope for mankind. But because he did conquer the, de the, de the grave, because he did conquer death, because he did rise victorious today, we have something to be thankful for. 
And that's why he says in verse 57, he says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. We can thank Jesus today because we today have an opportunity. You today have an opportunity to receive the greatest gift ever given. And it is a free gift that has already been purchased. It's called eternal life. God, when he created you, made you in his image. And God is an eternal being. And humans are created with eternity in their hearts. And the reason that you're able to ask that question and wrestle with that is because that's how God made you. God wants you to think about eternity because it's a reality. And through Jesus, faith in his finished work, we receive, through faith in his finished work, we receive this free gift. It's called salvation. It's called newness of life. It's called eternal hope. It's called victory over death. It's called resurrection. Jesus' resurrected victory is your resurrected victory, is my resurrected victory. Because what he did, he's victorious. And in him, everything that he has, he shares with us. We are victorious in and through and because of Jesus. And so I'm here to proclaim to you today the amazing truth that the story doesn't end at the cross. The cross is beautiful and wonderful and Jesus had to go there, but that's not the end of the story. In fact, the story begins at the empty tomb. He went to the cross. He took it all on our behalf, the sting of death, the wages of sin, which is death. He took all that, but the story and the new chapter of your life and my life begins at the empty tomb. When you place your faith in the empty tomb, when you place your faith in the finished work of Jesus, that he was the only human who ever did what no human ever could do, live a perfect life, die a sinner's death, and raise victoriously in glory. Jesus today gives you the opportunity, gives me the opportunity to respond and say, will you step into this free gift? Will you receive this free gift? Jesus today invites you into his story to share his victory with you. Look at your life. Look at the world around you. Look at the, the, the broken, fallen world that we live in. Is there any hope for me? Is there any hope for you? Is there any hope after death other than the finished work of Jesus, the resurrected Christ? He today says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. God's placed that in your heart. You know it's true. And maybe you've been suppressing it or denying it, but God today brought you here because he wants you to know that through him, through his victory and resurrection over death, he wants to give you a new story. He wants to invite you into his story. A new chapter of your life and newness of abundance of life will flow forth from your heart today if you will place your faith in the finished work of Jesus. The question is, will you invite him into your story? He's saying, look what I've done for you. This is, it's, already, it's already written, it's already finished. Will you invite Jesus into your story? Will you today place your faith in the finished work of the resurrected savior, Jesus Christ? If you do, the great exchange is complete. He's taken everything you deserve and he's given us everything we don't deserve through his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? Amen, Amen. let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this amazing miraculous, spectacular work that you have already completed. We thank you that you, Jesus, did the one thing no human ever could do, that you, the author of life, the giver of life, chose to take on human flesh and step down into a fallen, broken world 
and you chose to take the sting of death that we deserve. You chose to take the wages of sin, the death that we deserve. You took that for us because your heart and your plan and your desire for us from eternity past was that we would walk in the abundance of life, that we would experience eternal life in you. And we thank you, Jesus, that one day you are gonna come back and that all sin and brokenness and evil and darkness is gonna be done away with and that we are gonna walk in life the way that it was created to be that we are gonna experience it without all the brokenness, that you're gonna come and make things right. And you proved that through your resurrection. You proved that our sin actually was done away with. You proved that death does not have the victory and the final say and the sting at the end of our life. You took it for us and you proved it when you rose from the dead. And so Jesus, we wanna give thanks for that. We wanna celebrate your resurrection today. I pray, God, if there's anyone in here who has never in their life, by faith, trusted in the finished work of Jesus, if there's anyone in here, God, who's been carrying guilt and shame and condemnation with them for all the things that they've done, that today they would realize they can freely give that to you and know that it is completely done away with and that you would lift that burden and that you would just fill their hearts, God, with torrents of living water, that newness of life, a new chapter of life where their life becomes a part of the story that you've written for them from eternity past, that they would step into that. Jesus, we, we say yes. I say yes to what you've done. I, I want more of that, God. I wanna walk more in the victory that you've already accomplished. So give us strength, God, to take that next step into the victory that you have for us. We thank you for your resurrection. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in your name we pray, amen.